Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Husbands dwell with them with understanding. God says, husband, you're supposed to understand your wife. You need a PhD in your wife. That means you need to pay attention because every woman is different. You can't pick up a book on a shelf that explains that every single woman is unique and different. And so God says, husband, you like you dwell with her with understanding. That means that you dwell with her according to the understanding you have. And that understanding needs to be growing because the longer you're with your wife, she's changing. During courtship, a man takes notice of what the woman likes and doesn't. With this information, he shares his love for her. But if he stops learning about her once they become married, he misses out on who she becomes following the wedding. I have news for you men. Women change. Today, Pastor Bill shares in his message that it's essential to pay attention to your wife no matter how long you've been married. You might have shared your love for your wife during your vows, but women need to feel loved every day. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Marriage and the Family. Then there's Eros. Romantic, sensual love. And so there are guys, I do love you, you know, and smack her on the butt, you know, and then I told her I love her all the time. You groping her and grabbing on her, and guys, that's that's not what I'm calling for either. When God says husbands love your wife, he used the word agape. It's the God kind of love. The way God loves you, it's a no strings attached, unconditional love, nothing you did to earn it, nothing you could do to mess it up. I just love you, period. Right? How does God love us? Period. On every day, the same. On a day when you woke up early, had devotions, read the word and evangelized every lost person you saw. God loves you just the same that day as on the day you woke up late, didn't read your Bible and sinned against five people in a row. Right. (laughs) Same. He just loved God loves you. Period. God says, husbands, love her like that because she needs to be loved like that. She needs you. She needs to know that on her best day and her worst day, just the same. This man loves me. And this love is not a it's an emotional love. It's a love that is chosen. You choose to love in this way, right? When God chose to love you and me, the Bible says there was nothing lovely about us. Romans 5 eight said God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were disobedient to him, Christ loved us. So that means that husbands, if you're going to love your wife like Christ loved the church, not just when she's being all good and everything else, but on her bad days, that's the day where it really counts. On that day, are you, and again, this love is active. This is not a love where I told her I loved her. No, no, no. That that won't get it. That won't that won't get agape. What if Jesus had looked at the cross and said, I love y'all? No, he had to be up on that cross. Love was love took action. Love, love was his love was dying for us. He took he he took the nails. That was love. That was him saying, I love you this much. I'm dying in your place. I'm doing this for you. Biblical love, agape love, is always demonstrated in action. But it's demonstrated in action, desiring nothing. God said, Look, I died for everybody. And some people receive it and some people don't. But he died for you just the same, right? Nothing you did to deserve it. You know, he just, he did that for you. And so husbands, love your wives. And so I would just say to every husband, if you're listening to this and saying, I don't love my wife like this. I'm some, I'm real sometimesy with the love. I love her when I love what she's doing. And I don't love her the rest of the time. If your wife is not convinced that this man is in love with me, then you're not doing a good job. Anybody here ever doubted the love of God for you? How could you? How could you look at the cross and doubt his love? You know he loves you, right? Husbands, you need to love your wife in such a way. 
to me, it would be an utter failure if my wife ever said to me, Bill, do you love me? Oh, man. Knife's in my chest. That would mean I am failing. I'm not, you don't know I love you? You ain't, you not, you don't know I'm just stupid in love with you? Like, you not, that would be saying to me, you have failed. I, I don't, I got to ask because I'm not sure. And so any husband, if you, if you hear that regularly, husband, do you love me? Do you love me? You know, you don't want to hear that. You want her to just know, you, you want her to just be stupefied with just the, the, um, the you, I know he loves me. Same way me and you know, we know Christ loves us. That's how come you can always come back to him. That's how come you can, we come before him. We, even when we're dirty, we know we can come back. How come? Because I know he loves me. And I know his love is active. It's not temporal. It's not, it's not based on anything else. There's no strings attached. He just loves me, period. And so, husband, that's the call of God for us. I want to impress this point because I think this is where a lot of things fall apart. I think at this first point, um, if a husband's not doing this, then all the other stuff that he's called to do, right? He's called to love her with this kind of love. And then it's going to tell us to wash her with the word and, and nurture her and do all these other things. And so you got a husband that's not loving his wife the right way. And she ain't really trying to hear nothing he got to say anyway. Now, I'm not saying that that's right, but I'm saying it contributes. It contributes to things being broken. And so... If you're a single Christian woman and, you know, you're talking to a man or whatever. And I think single Christians need to know these things, too, because most single Christians are waiting to be unsingled. And so I just want you to be able to I want you to be able to, you know, observe a good candidate. Is this a, is this man love? You know, if even if you're in the stage where you're getting to know each other, you're going to have some bad days. How does this man behave toward me when I'm not having my best day? You know, and I'm telling you, men, if there's a time to store credits in, your, in the love bank, it's when they're having bad times. That's when that's when you get the love on them. And they just when they come out of whatever they're in. Now, I don't want to be offensive, but, you know, women have things that happen in their bodies, you know, on a regular you know, cycle. And they go through chemical imbalances and they trip out. And if, if you can weather that lovingly when they come out of it they, and they look back at how crazy it is. You just lost, so you, I love you. You so good. You just gave me chocolates and cookies and all, you know. That's an opportunity to just store it up in the bank, right? Now, if you join them, you know, you're talking to me like that. You know, and I, I've often said this, and I mean it with everything in my heart. There is only room for one female in every marriage. Some men need to hear that three times. There's only room for one female in every marriage. You can't have, I can't have a guy whose wife is having a chemical imbalance, you don't have a chemical imbalance, you got a bad attitude. And there's some men that do this, so I'm saying it, that come out of this season worse for the wear. I'm just saying, husbands, that's your chance. That's a great opportunity. She's not her best person right now. Oh, and it's going to happen on a regular interval, so get good at it. I know it's about that time. You need to know what to stock up on and what she needs and all that kind of stuff. That's loving her, you know, in difficulty. When you come out of it, you realize, you know, they realize, wow, I've really been something else. And you'll look back and say, wow, he just loved me. Through. Oh, man, that's a good marriage. Now, now, now y'all can have a good old time. It's the, you know, things can get real good, you know. But if you've been a female widow, you know, good luck. So husbands love your wives, right? And again, what kind of love? Is it? it is agape love. And so husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I'm going to stop there. Everybody turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're actually going to start in chapter 2. And then we're going to read something in chapter 3 toward the wife and toward the husband. But I love the, the arrangement of this in 1 Peter. So everybody turn to 1 Peter 
Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 are directed to the wife. Verse 7 is directed to the husband. The section on the, the wives begins with, you know, wives likewise. And it points you back to a section of chapter 2. I want to read something to you guys from 1 Peter chapter 2 that Jesus is pointing back to and saying, this is the, I've laid an example for you guys. Anybody here struggling in your marriage, having a hard time with your spouse? I want you to hear the words of Christ here and look at how he relates it to the marriage relationship. So I'm going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 18. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because, here's the example, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Let me stop right there. Jesus goes back and he's talking to servants. He's talking to those that are in submitted relationships. And this is not like African black slavery. This is this could be like your employee-employer relationship. This, there was also forms of slavery and servitude that people got into because they had bad credit, so forth and so on. But if you were in a role, he says, submit to those that are over you, the good and the bad. And he says, because Christ has left you an example. And he goes and tells us all that Christ did, how he suffered for you, how he did no wrong, yet he took the suffering, how he did these things for your benefit. And he walks through all that. He says, wise, likewise, like what? Like that, right? So wife may be saying, why my husband didn't do, he's not doing, wives, likewise, like that, likewise. Like, like the example I just gave you, Christ is your example, wives and husbands. Like that example, wives, you be submissive to your own husband. He gives a very specific scenario that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. And so if you have a husband who for some reason is not obeying the word, Maybe because he's not a Christian. Maybe your wife that married someone, then you got saved, but they didn't get saved. So he's not a Christian. You're married to a non-believer. That even if some do not obey the word, that they may be won by your conduct. God says your godly conduct can win him over. As they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And so I think the natural thing for women, and women usually talk a lot more than men. Amen? Is that fair? Yes. That's fair. Okay, good. All right. Whew. Because I know it's true, you know, but it's, it's, it's so, um, women tend to feel like if I I'll just have to keep saying it. If I say it enough, he'll get it. And the Bible's telling you that's not how men work. The more you say it, you won't be heard. You're going to be tuned out because you can't tell them. God's got to tell them. So it says, wives, be submissive to your own husbands 
that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one. And it says this. I circled it in my Bible. You might want to circle it in yours without a word, without you, without your help. God can do it without your help, without a word from you, without a word that they may be won by the conduct of their wives. Some of y'all are talking a lot, but have poor conduct. That's the wrong combination. God says, stop talking so much and let your godly conduct speak. Your, your conduct will speak louder than your words will. And there are men in this room right now that I know that are saved today because of a conduct of a wife. The life of a wife who, who, who lived this out. Maybe not perfectly, but consistently though. And so God says, wives, what do I do if my husband's not doing the word? This is what you do. You still be submissive. And don't, don't talk about it. Be about it. Live it. Live it before him. That requires faith in God. That you would just, I'm going to stop talking and trust God. Let your conversation be with the Lord about that man. And then it goes on. This is, again, for the wife. It says, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, fear of the Lord, it says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. So women are beautiful. Women get prettied up. And it says, don't let your adornment be merely outward. So that's not a prohibition against getting pretty. It, God's not saying just just be ugly, but holy. He's saying, <laughs> don't just be pretty on the outside. Don't don't let your adornment be merely outward. Don't be in the mirror for 10 hours and your Bible for 10 minutes is what it's saying. So don't let your adornment be merely or only outward arranging of the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Notice what it says. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. There's beauty that's fading. So no matter how beautiful a woman is, it's fading. Beauty fades. There's a beauty at 20 and a beauty at 30 and a beauty at 40. And I don't know when it starts to fade or what age, but at some point, you, you guys know better than I do. It starts to fade and it's a fading, but there's an incorruptible beauty there. You can have a woman that's 75 years old and she just she's beautiful on the inside. And that's not I'm not being funny. This is a beautiful person, a beautiful woman, a godly woman. And so he says, you make sure that you're developing the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Notice this, which God says is very precious in the sight of God. God is into that, right? God is into that kind of beauty. And then he gives us an example from the Old Testament. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. God says, this is not new. The women that were holy back in the day, this is what they did. This is what y'all need to do. Because some people want to treat this like it's old. Uh, God says they did it back then. They're still supposed to be doing it now. I just want to point that out. Verse 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. What if you women called your husbands Lord? They'd be going to see if you pulled out life insurance policies. What you mean calling me? Never, they've never been respected anywhere near that. And I'm not saying you guys got to go home and call them Lord. But it says that Sarah called him Lord. That word Lord, obviously we use it for the Lord. We call him master. The idea isn't that she's not putting him in the place of God, but she's saying, I submit to you, Lord. You're, you're the master. You know, in the Old Testament, they would even call a king Lord. They would call someone in authority Lord. She revered her husband calling him Lord. And so I just, you know, I don't know what you women call your husbands. I mean, you know, I'm just she called him Lord. She, she had high regard and respect for him. And God used her as an example for you wives. Now, husbands, look at verse seven. 
And this is our last verse. God says something to the husband that he never says to the wife. God never explicitly commands the wife to love her husband. But in Titus, it does tell the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands. So we know that they're supposed to love their husbands, but they're never explicitly commanded. And they're never threatened that if they don't, there's going to be retribution. So husbands, pay attention to verse 7. And when I said earlier that your relationship with your spouse impacts your relationship with God, this is exactly what I'm talking about. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as heirs together of the grace of life. Then it says that your prayers may not be hindered. So let me break those three things down. First, husbands dwell with them with understanding. God says, husbands, you're supposed to understand your wife. You need a PhD in your wife. That means you need to pay attention because every woman is different. You can't pick up a book on a shelf that explains every single woman is unique and different. And so God says, husband, you like you dwell with her with understanding. That means that you dwell with her according to the understanding you have. And that understanding needs to be growing because the longer you're with your wife, she's changing. And so what was okay when y'all were dating, you know, may change three years into marriage, may change 10 years into marriage and 20 and 30 and 40 is changing. And so you're constantly learning her. You're learning what works, what doesn't work, what she likes, what she doesn't like, what's a blessing, what's not a blessing. He says, dwell with her according to that understanding. And that settles something here because you got two people, you got a male and a female, different backgrounds, different temperaments, different Different ideas coming together and how, how do we get to come together? How does that work? Yeah, I got my ideas. She has hers. God says, husband, you're going to yield to her in these things. You're going to dwell with her according to understanding. You're going to acquiesce. And so sometimes you can have a husband like, well, I want you to do it my way. And God said, I told you, husband, to dwell with her according to understanding. There are things that I learned about my wife early on that, okay, this won't work for her. You know, some of y'all know I play a lot. I'm playful. You know, I like to joke. I do pranks. I do silly things. That's who I am. So I learned with my wife, she don't mind it. She just don't want it done to her. I'm dwelling with her according to under, I know that wouldn't bless my marriage. And so I refrain. It's, it's, I mean, I'm not telling you, opportunities are everywhere. Dwell with them with understanding. Every man here is married to a different woman. And what your woman needs is really something for you to figure out. They drop little hints. I, I keep a little notes on my phone. Every once in a while, my wife will slip out something. I'm like, oh, I got that. Okay, all right. Got me a little, got a little nugget right there. Do pay attention. Pay, study your wife. You can't just treat this flippantly. You're married. And you're going to be married. Hopefully, you're going to be married the rest of your life to death do you part without killing each other. So you need to pay attention to her. And dwell with her according to that understanding. Then it says, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. So we're not equals. We're not the same. Your wife is not the same as you physically or emotionally. And so we're not equals. You know, you, you, any man that's aggressive in a physical way to his wife is a complete chump. That's wrong in every way. That's, that couldn't be more unlike Jesus that you would aggress the person that you're supposed to be protecting. And so that's a million percent wrong every time, all the time. A man should never be in that position with his wife. But we honor them as a weaker vessel. Right. We, we recognize that we're not the same. And so I'm not going to be aggressive. You know, how, how you treat a child. A child is, you know, I am stronger and bigger than a child. I'm not going to beat my kids up. You know, if I play around with my son and wrestle, I'm not hitting him full strength. He's a kid. He's a little guy. Just playing around with him or whatever. I'm honoring the fact that he's a weaker vessel. In a physical sense, we recognize that with our spouses, hopefully. Um, but also in a, an emotional sense. 
And like we said earlier, she may have a, a day where she's emotionally off and she says some things. What if she says something that hurts your feelings? Well, y'all are not equal. So if you say something back to hurt her feelings, you'll be over it. She won't be over it when you you'll be over it next week. It's be it'd be in her head next month, next year. It ain't going nowhere. It still hurts because they're made up differently. It would behoove you to give them that. You know what? I'm gonna just eat that one today. Today and that's when we get to love you in my silence, in my not responding to what you just said right there. Honor her as the weaker vessel, and thirdly, as heirs together the grace of life. We're we're both God's kids. I'm married to I'm, my wife's a child of God, and I'm recognizing that we're both heirs of the grace of God. We're going to heaven together. Her dad is looking out how I'm treating her. Every man needs to consider that. Your wife's heavenly father is looking at how you treat your wife. And he's either blessed or not. Right? Every man here, consider this. I got two daughters. Imagine that you have a daughter. She marries a man. And you somehow have insight into all of how he's treating her. And they say this guy is just doodling over your daughter. He takes care of her. He works really hard. He, he brings home the bacon. He ministers to her needs. He's gentle and patient and concerned and everything else. As a dad, how you feel about that man, that young man? Oh, man, you all right with me. You come on in here, brother. You know, I mean, that's a, you're going to be blessed by him. But if you got a young man that's same, same scenario and he's treating her poorly, yelling at her, mean to her. She's over there crying in the bathroom and stressing out and having a hard time in her life because of what he's bringing about to her. And as a dad, how you feel about him? Totally different, right? He's going to be picking up his teeth, you know? So it's a different thing. And so your wife's heavenly father, you guys are heirs together, the grace of life. God has given you one of his daughters to be your wife and you live before him. Remember that. Remember that when you're talking to her. Remember that when Things get tense. Remember that in difficult days that her dad is present. Let that impact how you treat them. And he says here that your that, that your prayers may not be hindered. And it's almost like God is saying, look, and I'm looking down and you mistreat my daughter. Don't come asking me for nothing. That's right. Your prayer life is shot. Right. Y'all don't be that excited about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was really disappointed that I couldn't find the female counterpart to this verse, you know, but leadership has this. This is this comes with leadership. So if you're a man and you're you represent Christ in the marriage that you're a leader. And God says that comes. It's a benefit. It's a blessing. But it also comes at a cost. So if you do it right, you're, you're going to be blessed. But if you don't do it right, God said, man, you don't. Even, yeah, this will absolutely hinder your relationship with the Lord. Imagine not being able to get a prayer through because you're over there acting up with your wife. And so uh, we have to end here. We'll pick this back up next week. But this is what I want to encourage. If we're here, if your wife, what I don't want is this. I don't want you wives saying, husband, see, see, don't do this. You, you hear what God said to you if you're a wife. You hear what God said to you if you're a husband. And what we want to do is yield individually. I can't make my wife yield. She can't make me yield. I got to hear from God for me. She got to hear from God for herself. But if every man here, if you read something today, said, I'm, I'm not living up to that. Then you can repent of that before the Lord and you can apologize to your wife for it. And you could begin to submit and surrender that area today that God may be glorified in your marriage. If your wife, same thing. If you realize that there's some aspect of this that I'm not doing it God's way, you can repent before the Lord. You could apologize to your husband you can commit your heart to live this out in obedience that God may be glorified in your marriage. And we're going to see in the next week that, you know, this our marriages are a reflection of Christ and his relationship with the church. 
So we want to give a good image. We want to give a good reflection of what that is to the world, to our children, ultimately to the Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on the Transforming Word as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you are more than welcome to join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You also can call or text us, too, for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that is calvaryinglewood.org. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul around the time he was in prison in Rome. This is one of the most inspiring things about Paul. Even when he was facing some of the heaviest of trials, he was still focused on the gospel mission. He still urged unity. He wrote of patience and love and encouraged people to be as one, just as God the Father is one with His Spirit and His Son. This may seem like an impossible thing to accomplish, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, it's easier to genuinely love those around you. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Ephesians next time on A Transforming Word.